0: Uh, John chapter 20, verses 19 to 31. Uh, We sort of closed off our series, the seven signs, last Sunday with the seventh sign, the seventh of seven. But uh, this morning we're going to really sort of wrap it up even more fully by looking at what those seven signs are pointing us towards. So if you would please stand. And I'm going to read from John chapter 20, verses 19 to 31. In the Pew Bible, you'll find it beginning on page 906. John chapter 20, beginning at verse 19. John writes, On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Now, Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and place it and see my hands, and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples which are not written in this book. But these are written So that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name. The Word of the Lord. Gracious Heavenly Father, we pray that you'd be pleased now to send your Holy Spirit upon us. And Father, as you gave Thomas the wisdom, the faith to see the risen Christ and to know exactly who He is. Father, send that same Sovereign Spirit upon us. Open our ears and our eyes that we might hear and see the truth about Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. So signs. Let's think a moment about signs. I'd like to look with you at three different points, beginning with the last of the three, because it comes last in this book. If you look at the end of chapter 20, verses Uh, 30 and 31. This is my first point, and it has to do with the purpose. What is the purpose of all these signs? The seven that we looked at over the series on John's gospel, uh, all the signs of Jesus's ministry. If you want to know about those signs, well, look at verse 30. What is the purpose of the signs? Now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. Verse 31, but these signs are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Jesus did many signs, uh, far more than are recorded here in the Gospel of John. Actually, a few of the other signs are recorded in the other Gospels. Uh, The capital G Gospels, the books, the gospel books, which bear witness to the one gospel that Ahmad talked about many weeks ago when we started this series. All the signs of the gospel writers point us towards who Jesus is, what he came into the world to do. And uh, John, here at the end of the gospel, the next to the last chapter, the concluding verses of this chapter, he, he tells us what all these signs are for. These signs are not random. These signs are not chosen because of uh, something particularly fascinating about the sign itself. Each of them was chosen and written about here in the Gospel of John with a purpose in mind. All these signs have been written down so that you and I might believe. So that we might believe in Jesus. And secondly, by believing in Jesus, have eternal life in Jesus. Have life forever with him. Um, That's the purpose of all these signs. That's the purpose of these gospel writers' gospels. Uh, That's the purpose of the gospel. Is that we might put our faith and believe in Jesus and know him as he is. Know him as. As the person that he is. If you look over at the end of John chapter 21 and uh, look at verse 24. John concludes his gospel in this way. He says, this is the disciple who is bearing witness about these things. This is John's testimony. This is John's version of what Devin and Haley just did. An extended version. 21 chapters long. John bearing witness, giving testimony to who Jesus is. This is his personal story, things he saw with himself, things he heard himself, things that Jesus taught him. So flip back to John 20, verse 30 and 31. That's the purpose of these signs. Uh, That's the purpose of everything that John recorded for us is so that you and I will know who he is and so that you and I will live on the basis of who he is. We can believe in him, and on the basis of believing in him, we can know life forever with him. So that's the purpose. Let's think for a moment about the power. It's one thing to have purpose. It's another thing to have power. Let's think about the power to fulfill this purpose. Where does it come from? Well, John actually answers this question in verses 19 to 23, the power. We have a purpose. What is our power? Verse 19 says, On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, that is Easter Sunday, that evening, on that evening, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. Uh, This is Easter Sunday night. What an amazing day. What an amazing day of people who've seen the resurrected Christ, stories that have been circulating among the disciples, each of them deciding what to make of these stories, what to make of what they've heard about the resurrected Christ. What are they to think of this man that they have known so well, and what is happening? What does all of this mean? The disciples, at least most of them, are together. They're locked away for Fear of the Jewish authorities who would had a hand in killing Jesus, who led the charge to put him to death. Uh, They're together. They're locked away that way. And John tells us in uh, verse 5, sorry, verse 19, Jesus came and stood among them. He's going to say the same thing in just another verse or two. Jesus came to be with them. In one place it says the doors were locked. Uh, The emphasis, the suggestion is that Jesus miraculously appeared among them it's, it's a, something about his resurrection life something about his supernatural power the resurrected christ has this supernatural power they hadn't seen in jesus ministry in quite this way before he came to them in a locked room he came to them as they were locked away for fear he came to them and what he says to them is so beautiful peace be with you that's a that's a beautiful thing to say to the disciples who were anything but peaceful they were they were confused they were frightened they were locked away and the resurrected Christ came and stood among them and said as he says to you and me peace be with you uh, devin i loved your your testimony as you came up here in front of a bunch of stra- not strangers but how, any anytime you get in front of a bunch of people, it can be a nerve wracking experience. And here's this young man came up here, and you know what came through your testimony so beautifully is peace, don't you think? Such a such a powerful sense of peace in this young man's uh, witness to Christ through all the things that Devin's endured. This God given sense of peace, and Jesus brings that peace. We may not always feel it in the same way, but he brings us this supernatural peace. So no wonder the disciples, it says, were glad uh, when they saw the Lord. Uh, they, they recognized him. We're, we're not told all the details, but they, they certainly uh, saw him there, his hands and his side. They recognized him in his wounds, and they were glad when they saw him. They, they, they recognized that this was the same Jesus they had seen die on the cross Just days before, this is the Jesus who comes and stands among them. Um, What a a beautiful picture of the disciples as they're gathered together. A picture of the gathering of all the disciples. A a picture in a way of what we're doing here today, gathering. Whenever God's people gather, whenever Jesus' people gather, he is with us. And he brings us this peace, and it's a peace we share together. It's a peace that can include fun and laughter. Let me tell you, in this room a few hours ago, it did not feel particularly peaceful. Uh, with kids running everywhere and people dancing, and it's, it's amazing. What did, the first word wasn't peace that came to my mind, but what a sense of peace we share in Christ. The peace to relax and enjoy one another and share fellowship It's a beautiful thing, and we should be very grateful for it. So there was this sense of peace among Jesus' disciples. Verse 20 says that Jesus showed them his hands and his side. That was what made them glad. He says again, verse 21, peace be with you. And then he says these words, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. It's an interesting moment in this Easter gathering of the disciples, this first Easter night. Jesus takes this opportunity to announce that just as his Father has sent him, so he is sending his disciples. Some people call this John's version of the Great Commission. Uh, Just as Matthew writes about Jesus sending his disciples... So John here records Jesus saying, I'm sending you, just as my Father has sent me, so I am sending you. This is, if you will, John's description of some of the same ideas and impulses, the the focus of Jesus's ministry, chronologically a different time, but that same idea that That Jesus communicated in Matthew, so Jesus here in John chapter 20 is communicating that same sense of sending. And it's also interesting that it it includes some of the themes of Pentecost. Verse 22, when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. So with Jesus' commission, with his saying, this is what I'm sending you to do, he also gives them the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, he's going to do even more of that at Pentecost. But here in John's Gospel, it's recorded that the resurrected Jesus, as he commissions them, as he says, this is what I'm going to send you to do, he also breathes the holy spirit on them what what a powerful picture of jesus empowering his disciples with his power he breathes on them well that's that's a powerful image the the word for spirit uh, has to do with breath that's in hebrew and in greek this idea of breath that the spirit is intimately connected to jesus's own person he breathes the spirit And they are empowered to forgive sins. They're given discernment when not to forgive sins. They're they're actually told that uh, part of their being sent includes this idea of of forgiveness and proclaiming forgiveness. Now, who was Jesus talking to? He was certainly talking to the twelve. They're described down in verse 24 Uh, The disciples, uh, the 12, including uh, all those who uh, had been a part of Jesus' ministry. Uh, Of course, Thomas was not in the room for this experience. He wasn't there. And actually, over in just across the page, uh, John chapter 19, verse 38, Joseph of Arimathea is called a disciple of Jesus. So it would have certainly included most of the twelve, maybe all the twelve except Thomas, but certainly most of the twelve are sort of implied they're there in the room when Jesus commissions them, when he when he gives them this empowering spirit. Uh, it would have included the twelve. But actually the word in John's Gospel is, is quite broad, and, and certainly later on in, in in Luke and in Acts, the idea is it's not just the twelve, it's it's the whole fellowship of all the disciples. Would have been gathered together. How many were there? We're not explicitly told. We do know there aren't many of them in in Acts chapter 1. They were gathered there also together. On that first Pentecost. All the disciples were gathered together. The 12 plus other disciples. So it could very well be that here in John chapter 20. We have this picture of Jesus commissioning and empowering. Not only the 12. uh, But All of Jesus' people, all of Jesus' people have been commissioned. All of Jesus' people have been empowered. And whether the picture here is just the 12 minus Thomas or all the disciples doesn't really matter because the message is the same. Whether it's to us through the disciples or to us through the 12, we're not really told it doesn't really matter. The point is... All of us are empowered. That's what Acts tells us. All of us are empowered by the Holy Spirit to be witnesses to Christ. So all of us are empowered to give witness to Jesus, to have a testimony to Jesus. So what Devin did, you'll have your own version. What Haley did, her sense of call to ministry and mission, we're all going to have some kind of sense of that. It may be growing. It may be emerging. It doesn't all arrive full-blown, full-grown all at once it often takes time. It often takes wisdom and discernment, the guidance of the Holy Spirit. But it's all aimed at empowering you and me to do what Jesus said the disciples were to do. It's not just reserved for a few specific, specially gifted people. The idea is all of us have this gift. All of us are empowered by the Spirit to speak of forgiveness, to speak of God's loving mercy through Christ and the forgiveness that Jesus brings sinners like you and me. We're all empowered by the Spirit. We're all part of those who share this purpose. The whole Gospel of John, his own personal testimony, and all the signs that, that Jesus did. We all share in that purpose of proclaiming that to the world. And we're empowered by the Spirit to be Jesus' witnesses today. MetroCrest Presbyterian Church is commissioned to bear witness to Jesus. To the kids down at the school, to our neighbors, to the friends we invite to advance, to one another. We're commissioned and empowered by the Holy Spirit to be Jesus' witnesses. and it's a, it's a wonderful thing to take that in, to reflect on that. We'll be doing that over the next few weeks of Lent. We'll be thinking about some of the challenges we face and how the Lord deals with all those challenges. But again, the sign is about what it's pointing towards. And verses 24 through 29 tell us what all of these signs have been point- pointing towards. Uh, there's a sense in which uh, what we're going to read here in these few verses is is the climax of the climax of the climax of John's Gospel. Uh, Maybe the climax of the climax of the climax of all the Gospels. In fact, indeed, maybe even the climax of the climax of the climax of the whole Bible kind of boils down to what we read in this passage, and particularly in verse 28. Look at verse 28. Just Just a few words. Verse 28 says, Thomas answered Jesus, my Lord and my God. Now don't do this in the Pew Bible, but if you have your own Bible with you today, or if you have an online Bible, and you haven't already done it, underline those words. My Lord and my God. Five words in English. Six words in Greek. My Lord and my God. This is what all the signs have been pointing us towards. All the signs are pointing us towards who Jesus is. And and on the basis of who he is, the significance of what he's done. What he has done won't have the impact it's meant to have unless we know who he is. And if we know who he is, what he has done has eternal and one-of-a-kind significance. Not only for John, not only for the twelve, not only for Thomas, but for all of us we 're all in this process of seeing the signs here in the scriptures and the, the signs we see in, in our lives and the world around us, but particularly these in the Bible, they all point us towards this verse it begins in verses uh, twenty four and twenty five it says Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with him when Jesus came. Now, brothers and sisters, just pause for a moment. Uh, this is what happens when you miss church. Okay? <laughs> don't, don't miss church. You never know what the Lord's going to do. He, he, he does things. He does amazing things. And, and so Thomas was not there in uh, verse 22. He wasn't there that night at the end of Easter. Where was he? We're not told, but he wasn't there. Uh, but he is here now. Uh, he, the disciples tell him, we have seen the Lord. He, began, he hears this message. He, he begins to think about it. He says, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my fingers into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Those are pretty final sounding words. Well, eight days later, he gets to eat those words. Eight days later, in verse 26, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, again, we get this hint that what's about to happen is supernatural. Jesus comes, and even though the doors are locked, he came among them. And uh, he stood and said again, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands, Thomas. put Put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not... Disbelieve, but believe. Turns out Jesus knew all along about Thomas and his lack of faith, his disbelief, his refusal to believe until he saw the wounds in Jesus' hands and the wound in his side. Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, knew all about that. He, he knows you and me inside out. He knows our good days and he knows our bad days. He knows our hopes and Tom, Thomas actually in John's gospel has a series of really good days. Thomas is a standout in the gospel. John. He's mentioned more positively in John's gospel than anywhere else. And, and he has this starring role at this critical climatic moment. Uh, the same Thomas who had said uh, to the disciples, let's go with Jesus to Jerusalem at the end of the story about Lazarus. It was Thomas who said, let's go with Jesus to Jerusalem and die with him there. So Thomas was ready to die for Jesus. He didn't know exactly who he was, but he was ready to die for him. That's uh, the same Thomas who, who actually wisely had insight in, into what was happening as, as Jesus was facing judgment. It was Thomas who, who kind of put some of that together. And it's Thomas here who, through his disbelief, actually takes the place of all of us. I'm so glad that John recorded exactly what Thomas does. I'm so very glad that John records exactly what Thomas does. Because Thomas, one of the twelve, sums up all of the signs and all the miracles of Jesus. Indeed, Jesus' whole life, the cross, the empty tomb, the resurrection. He sees the wounds of Jesus. And he sums up with five little words, my Lord and my God. What was it that that Thomas saw? Was it the resurrected Christ? Was it the fact that the wounds proved it was the resurrected Christ? Or did the wounds speak of more than the identity of the person? It did do that, but it also spoke of the love of the person what that person was willing to do for the likes of him and you and me. Uh, A kind of power, a kind of love that speaks uniquely of God. Whatever it was, Thomas apparently didn't feel the need to put his hand in the wound. It doesn't record that he did. Maybe he did, but it's not recorded because the point is, all of that was enough to bring Thomas to this proclamation. At the feet of the resurrected Jesus, Thomas looks at him, whom he knew so well. He said, you are my Lord and my God. But Lord, the Old Testament name for God. Shown up multiple times here in the Gospel of John. And this idea that Jesus, the resurrected one, is God himself. Wow. It falls to Thomas, the, the one we call Doubting Thomas. To be the first one to put two and two and two together and come up with who Jesus is. That's the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit giving Thomas the ability to see. Not with his physical eyes, but with the eyes of faith. He came to see who Jesus was. And Thomas gives voice to the Christian affirmation. The Christian affirmation. Which makes us who we are. Which which stirs us to boldness which leads us to mission, which leads us to leave what we know, to go to places we don't know, even leads us to places like the Ukraine in the midst of war. It leads us to go with hope and confidence because the person at the center of the gospel, the person whom each of us at MetroCrest proclaims to this day is Jesus Christ, our Lord and our God. No wonder the ESV translators include an exclamation point. They they don't put lots of exclamation points, but the ESV translators wisely, I think, put an exclamation point here. It's no exaggeration to say it is the exclamation point to the whole Bible. This is the Jesus whom you and I worship today. This is the Jesus we sing about. This is the Jesus we put our hope in. He's the one we put our trust in. He's the one we live our lives in light of. Praise God for him. Praise God for Jesus.